I've always been told, especially it was told this a lot in Bible college, be ready to preach, pray, or die at a moment's notice. So um, I guess that held true last night at 9 o'clock when I got word that uh, uh, Pastor Lockup wanted me to preach. Maybe he had told Pastor Tom Lamonds earlier, but I got it about 9 o'clock last night. But praise the Lord, I'm glad to be here. You know, whoops, those guys back there are are, uh, trying to get things figured out. How's that? Is that better? All right. Gives me the thumbs up. Somehow I always forget these remote uh, microphones. But uh, it seems like when when the pastors of a church are away, have you noticed that there seems to be kind of a, a tense mood or something around the church? And, you know, everything doesn't seem to fall in place like it should uh, I know that happens. Uh, it's happened everywhere I've gone. It's happened. It happened where I when I was gone, and and because of that, uh, you're going to be out of here probably in ten minutes. <laughs> Don't believe that. Let's see. I've got twelve, thirteen, fourteen. Let's see. No. <clears throat> but I, I know how it is. Uh, um, seems like the preacher that takes the pastor's place, he doesn't preach quite as long as the pastor does. Now, what time do you normally get out of here? Is it 2 or 2.30? <laughs> really, what time does he, 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 he usually preach to? Whenever, whenever he's done. Whenever he's done. Well, that'll be about 10 minutes from now. <laughs> no, no, not really. Take your Bibles with me and turn to Matthew 28. Matthew chapter 28. Uh, Barbara and I are missionaries, Wayne and Barbara Voss. Now, I've been called a lot of different things. The Mennonite people say that my name is pronounced Voss and not Voss. Well, I've got an, um, a, a ringtone or whatever on my phone that says, excuse me, Voss. You have a text message. Uh, my wife uh, always says that that thing says, "Excuse me, Mr. Boss, you've got a text message." Well, <clears throat> I'm not the boss. Well, maybe I am the boss, but uh, so uh, it's Boss is my last our last name. We've been in missions since uh, 1979 full time. And uh, <clears throat> been to uh, Canada, spent 21 years in Canada. Uh, our children and grandchildren still live there, uh, working on, we were working on reservations or reserves, they call them up there. And uh, spent 11, we spent 11 years in Ontario, uh, three years in um British Columbia in seven more years, seven or eight years, whatever it was, in uh, 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 Alberta. Uh, Canada's a beautiful place. There's no doubt about that. <clears throat> and the work is, is uh, sometimes difficult. Uh, surprisingly, there's a lot of prejudice up there. 
against American people, and especially among Christian people. You'd be surprised because a lot of churches have the idea about American people coming up there and starting churches that, uh, that the person coming up there, the missionary or pastor coming up there is going to start or pastor a church and make an American church out of it. And, you know, unfortunately, missionaries can have that same attitude when they go into other countries. They'll actually go there to start a, an American church and not just necessarily a church. Uh, when we get to the New Testament, somehow or another, probably this church as well as the churches that I have pastored, we're not even close to the New Testament churches in that many times they met every day. <clears throat> and I don't know how it is with you, but uh, sometimes meeting every day at church can, can be difficult, can be tough. But that's the way it was. <clears throat> so uh, so we, we have to be careful. But we spent those 21 years up there. Then we, uh, I took a church in Great Falls, Montana, we spent there 13 years, and I turned that church over to a pastor, uh, and it's called uh, Triumph Baptist Church now. Brother Art Hernandez is the pastor there. Uh, he's doing a real good work there. And praise the Lord for that. They were able to purchase a building. Uh, when we were there, the church was about half the size of this, maybe even less, and when I turned it over to him, it started growing uh, leaps and bounds because he was in Great Falls for 20 years, so he knew people, a lot of people, and uh, it started growing. They had to buy a different building. They purchased an old Catholic school building, 30,000 square feet, and it was furnished. Two kitchens that were completely furnished with up-to-date uh, equipment, they purchased that building for $130,000. <clears> so God really blessed there. They've got it paid off now. And the uh, Lord's really using them there. So, but uh, we're thankful to be here. We're on the Flathead Reservation north of here. We've been there now for six, seven, almost seven years. And... <clears throat> The Flathead res Reservation is different than any reservation we've ever been on <clears throat> in that there's more white people living on that reservation than native people. Uh, and that's created some problems you can only imagine. Being from, <clears throat> being from Stevensville, you know that the Salish Kootenai and Ponderay people were actually at the St. Saint Mary Mission or down in this part of the country, in the Bitterroot Valley to begin with, and then the government established the reserve up in the Mission Valley and, <clears throat> and placed them there, misplaced them there, I suppose. Well, you can only imagine that that caused some resentment and uh, some real problems. And to this day, it's obvious uh, that uh, when we're talking to native people, that there's still resentment there. It's passed on from generation to generation to generation, these, uh, some of their ideas. So you pray for us as you think about us <coughs> up on the Flathead Reservation. 
during Sunday school, I talked about using different tools to gain access to people. And we have a video bus that we use. <clears throat> it's uh, equipped with, with two video screens. Uh, I've got, uh, uh, got all sorts of LED lights, and it's got a sound system in it. It's got all sorts of things. And <clears throat> we take it into the different native communities and show gospel videos, short gospel videos, and uh, present the gospel. And uh, so far, the Lord's blessed it. <clears throat> Even last summer and into the fall, we've, we saw 20 accept Christ as their personal Savior. And by the way, that was the first that actually received Christ. We also had uh, community Bible time. That's another tool, like Vacation Bible School. But uh, the community Bible time, that was the first one that we had in uh, that larger scope that we, we had. We had uh, a group from Mississippi that came, had 14 different people in it, and um, we conducted just in that uh, four-day period that they were there, we conducted six different uh, community Bible times, uh, three going on. Uh, it, at one time in the morning, three in the afternoon, and then <clears throat> uh, for three days, and then on Thursday we conducted another one. And the Lord really blessed that with some, some young people accepting Christ as their Savior. But uh, keep us in prayer, if you will, that uh, the Lord will continue to use us there. <clears throat> uh, Matthew 28, if you will, look in your Bibles there, and we're going to look just at one verse, and we'll go from there. Please bear with me with my voice. I'm not sick or anything. That's just my voice. So uh, uh, if I have to clear it a lot, just bear with me. Uh, uh, just listen to the message and not the throat clearing. <clears throat> Matthew 28, verse 19. Let's stand together as we read the scripture, <clears throat> if you will. Matthew 28, just the one verse. And if you will, would you read this verse along with me, okay? As I read it aloud, <clears throat> we'll read it aloud together. All right? Together. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Let's pray. Father, as we come to you this morning, we thank you for being so good to us and being merciful and gracious. We thank you for your son. And we thank you, Lord Jesus, for, for paying the penalty for our sin in full. And then not only that, thank you, Lord, that you have made it possible by the indwelling Holy Spirit for us to live a life that's pleasing to you. And I pray that this morning, Father, that your Holy Spirit would work in each of our hearts and, Lord, show us uh, how we need to serve you, things that we can do that would honor you. Lord, I pray that if there's someone here that has never accepted Christ as their personal Savior, that before they leave here today, they will realize the importance of receiving Christ as their Savior. Now, Lord, just bless your people here. And I'm sure services are going all, uh, all over the country in good churches. I pray you bless the preaching of your word today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. 
Thank you. You may be seated. <clears throat> Let me share some statistics with you from an organization known as Global Frontier Missions. This, uh, this group is located in Clarkston, Georgia. And I want to just give you some, some thoughts from them for just a few minutes. The title of the message, if I should give it a title, and I've given it one, is what keeps a person, it's a question, what keeps a person from being a missionary? I guess we should get into definition of a missionary, right? Um, actually, the term missionary is very similar to the word apostle. The word apostle means sent one. The word missionary means sent one. <clears throat> that doesn't mean that all missionaries are apostles because you probably know that there's different qualifications for being an apostle as opposed to just being a pastor and missionary these days, and uh, all the apostles are gone anyways, according to the, to, the, to the definition and the qualifications. But nevertheless, uh, missionaries are sent ones. Uh, Christian, I don't know if you understand this, and I'm sure that you do with a great pastor as Pastor Walker, is that all Christians are sent ones. Uh, every person who knows Jesus Christ as personal Savior is a person who's been sent by the Lord out into the mission field. And as you walk out that door today, you're entering a mission field. Uh, somehow we've got this, this idea that missionaries go to foreign fields or missionaries go out from the church and go to some other place to, to preach the gospel, Right? Uh, we don't think of ourselves as being sent ones or missionaries, but yet, as a Christian, as a born-again Christian who's followed the Lord and believers' baptism and who's a member of a good, solid uh, Baptist church, we're sent ones. We've got a great responsibility before us. And so the question, what keeps a person from actually being the missionary that we're supposed to be? Give you these statistics real quick. Basically, according to this, this group, the world can be divided into three parts or three groups based on how people respond to two questions. Here's the two questions. First of all, do you have access to a Christian witness? That's the first question. Do you have access to a Christian witness? The second question is, are you a Christian? Okay? So there you go. Now, so they divide the, the entire world up based on these two questions into three different groups. People that respond yes to both are considered world C or letter C. Okay? So... Uh, Having access to a Christian witness or being a Christian, if you're in a nation that's like that, you would be classified as world C. About 10% of the world's population is estimated to be true believers, while another 23% are at least considered 
adherence to the Christian faith. No matter what that is. Oh, I'm a Methodist. I'm a Lutheran. I'm, you know, whatever. <clears throat> That'd be 23%. Okay? <clears throat> then, so World C has 30% of the world's population and 72% of the missionaries. And 87% of the mission's finances. Did you get that? World C, in other words, they answer yes to both those questions. 23% uh, are considered inherence, uh, uh, adherence to Christian faith. 10% are estimated to be true believers. And 33% of the world's population. 72% of the missionaries they got, and 87% of the finance is going out for mission. Okay, now people that respond yes to the first question, which is, do you have access to a Christian witness? So people that responded yes to that question and no to the second one are considered world B, letter B. World B makes up 38% of the world's population and 25% of the missionaries, 12% of missions financing. 25% of missionaries, 12% of missions finances. People that responded no to both questions are considered world A. These people are virtually unreached and would need an outside witness of some sort to come in and tell them the gospel, preach the gospel to them. We refer to them as, that is, that group refers to them as unexpo unexposed unbelievers because they, they have nothing. They, they, there's a good possibility, there's a possibility that they would Never have someone come directly to them and give them the gospel. Okay, world A, keep this in mind, has 28% of the world's population, which again is greater than world C. They have 28% of the world's population and 3% of the missionaries and 1% of the mission's finances. That's, that's staggering. They have 3% of the missionaries, 1% of the mission's finances, but yet that group has 28% of the population. So go back to my original question. What keeps a person from being a missionary? And of course, when I say that term missionary, I'm talking about someone literally making an effort to try to reach someone with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, so what, what keeps people from becoming missionaries or just faithful witnesses for Christ? Let me give you a list real quick, okay? And we've got Bible verses on a lot of these. <clears throat> Fact is, I've got Bible verses on all of them. I've got five here. First of all, the first thing that keeps people from becoming a missionary <clears throat> is 
too much education. Did you get that? People with a large amount of education <coughs> are most likely not to be the ones that are going into mission field and do the work of a missionary. Uh, your Bibles, 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1. Listen to this. <clears throat> now, as touching things offered unto idols, the Apostle Paul writes, we know that we, are, we all have knowledge. But notice what he says. Knowledge puffs up, but charity edifies. Now, in, in the Sunday school hour, I said something about the difference between verbs. You've got action verbs and you've got passive verbs. You've got, um, and in the book of Hebrews, if you read through Hebrews chapter 11, you find out that wherever it says by faith, there's always an action verb included in that. So in other words, listen to me. Faith is always an action. It's not just saying, I believe. And here's people, the Bible says, notice what it says about, and I, and I again, I, I go back to this verb thing of passive and, act, and uh, action verbs, okay? A passive means you're just going to sit, soak, and sour. <laughs> That's basically what it is. <clears throat> but an action verb is, is to go, get up out of our seats, go through that door, realize that now we're in mission field. Now we've got people to reach somewhere. So in that, in, that, uh, in that verse I just read, 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1, where it says, knowledge puffeth up, but charity edifieth. So looking at puffing up makes a person proud. But charity is an action word. In fact, charity is an action. You cannot say, I love you, without acting upon that. You can't do it. So charity edifies. Charity goes about to help people to grow. Charity goes about to reach people. Jesus Christ came because of the fact that God loved the world and gave an action verb, his only begotten son. And people with too much education, they get puffed up. I have got a degree in such and such. I know a preacher that I can't even talk to him without calling him by doctor. Dr. So-and-so. Because he will correct you and say, it's, that's doctor so-and-so. Really? Education is a serious problem when it comes to reaching people with the gospel. A second thing is careers. Or let me put it, jobs. Uh, Mark chapter 8, verse 36. Listen to this, just this verse. But we could also go to Luke, Luke chapter 14. Mark chapter 8, verse 36 says, For what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? There's something about 
gaining wealth and having possessions that uh, cause problems. And that brings me to the next one, careers. Careers can keep us. I can't, I can't go because I have to work. Are you aware that in the New Testament that a lot of the people who gave money, they worked jobs in order to give. That's what they did. They worked a job so that they could give or put effort into reaching people with the gospel. But you know what's unfortunate is, is we get the mindset of the world and say, well, I've got to leave my kids a nice home, or I've got to leave them, you know, this or that or the other. You know, uh, that's, that's what I've got to do. So their goal in life is, is to be able to cre create themselves an empire that they can live, leave for somebody behind. My guess is that the houses that some of those people in the New Testament lived in were not very nice houses. Probably a lot of them had dirt floors. But that's okay. Like Barnabas gave uh, houses, he gave his land for the sake of the gospel. So we need to be careful not to let our careers get in the way of trying to reach people with the gospel. And then, of course, as I said before, the next thought is, is uh, that keeps people from going to the mission field or becoming missionaries is debt, possessions, and comfort. <laughs> uh, in our country, we've got a lot of comfort. You're sitting on padded pews. When I was in Canada, I remember taking a trip to um, uh, the far north, Barbara and I first, the first place that we went to in ministry was actually the summer of 1978, and we flew into a place called Weagamow, or Round Lake, uh, Ontario. And we got there, and they had a little church building there, and the name of the church was Weagamow Evangelical Fellowship. A uh, lot of the reserves, they don't have a denominational type um, a church on them, except a Catholic church. And of course, they've got those. But this church, the pastor of that church uh, was uh, Albert Tate. Albert Tate was saved in 1953 in a revival that took place among Cree and Soto people in Canada. Can you imagine? A revival. He and hundreds of Indian people got saved. He became a pastor. He pastored this church until he died. But uh, in that church, you go in, there's, a, there's a, um, a wood stove. That's how it's heated. But all the benches are wood benches. They've got a couple of planks that you sit on, and then a wooden back, and that's it. We flew into another place called Bearskin Lake, and Bearskin Lake was very similar. It, we were in, the, in April, snow on the ground. You could actually hear the northern lights. We were that far up, and uh, the, the pews there were a bench, just, just a bench, no backs. And the wood-burning stove was right in front of the pulpit, and that's where they got their heat. Well, that's amazing. These people didn't have possessions. They didn't have comfort. They didn't have all of that stuff, but they were there, and they walked 
through the snow to get to that place. You know, I'm, I'm afraid that because we do have so many comforts here in this country, that that has caused us to become hardened to the, to the fate and the situation of people that are beyond our uh, region, so to speak. So, possessions. Matthew chapter 6, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, the Bible says, where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust doth not corrupt and where thieves do not break through and nor steal. For where your heart is, or where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And when you've got possessions, you've got comfort and all these things, that's where your heart is. It's hard to separate ourselves from those things. And I know, it's, I know how difficult it can be. We left Alabama in 1979 uh, in December. It was 80 degrees down there. We got to Ontario, Canada. It was 10 below zero, and there was snow on the ground. Wow, what a shock to the system. And we lived in a cabin, a log cabin up there, that when it got below zero, 20, 30, 40 below zero, there was ice on the inside of the cabin. It weren't comfortable. And because I was green, I was, I, was, uh, I was as green as could be when it comes to that kind of living. I heated with green wood most of the time. You can imagine how cold we got. I've learned a few things since then. But nevertheless, debt, possessions, comforts. Here's another one. And i got to be careful here. Wife and family. Maybe I should just say family. But that happens. Listen to a couple of verses. I, I, I won't read them all, but listen to this. Luke chapter 9, verse 57. You might want to turn there if you want. But it, listen, it says this. And it came to pass that as they went in the way, a certain man said unto him, Lord, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. And Jesus said unto him, Foxes have holes, and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. This could also be used in the, the, the debts and possessions and, and comforts thing. But he goes on to say, and he said unto another, follow me. But he said, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father. Jesus said unto him, let the dead bury their dead. But go thou and preach the gospel, or preach the kingdom of God. Verse 61, and another said it, also said, Lord, I will follow thee, but let me first go bid them farewell which are at home at my house. I've got to take care of what's at home first. That's tough, isn't it? Jesus said unto him, No man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Luke chapter 14, verse number 6. 16, then said he unto them, Jesus speaking, a certain man made a great feast, and as you know, he bade many, and sent his servants out, and they went out, and he said, come to them, come for all things made ready, but listen to the excuses, listen to them. And they all with one accord 
began to make excuse. Everybody. The first seven a.m., I bought a piece of ground. I must needs go and see it. I pray they have me excused. I got some land. I need to go take care of that first. I got a house. I got a boat, a trailer. Let me take care of that. I got to pay those off before I can serve you, Lord. And if, you're not, if, if you don't think that happens, it does happen. When I was in Bible college, there were people that could not go into ministry because they were so deeply in debt. They had to take care of that first. Another one said, I bought five yoke of oxen, and I go to prove them. Uh, or I could put there, I have bought myself a new um, John Deere tractor. And I got to go check it out, see if it works. See what I'm saying? Another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. The wife kept him from going. Family will keep you from going. When I was in Bible college, the first semester I was in Tennessee Temple uh, uh, up in uh, Chattanooga, Tennessee. And there was a, uh, a young lady who was going, who the Lord called her into missions. Well, her family wouldn't let her go. They said, you can't go uh, because of the family, breaking up the family. It does happen. And that can keep people from becoming missionaries. Let me hear you a fifth thing real quick. Parents. Parents can keep young people from going into missions. Matthew 10, verse 36, Jesus said, And a man's foes shall be they of his own household. That's got some good application to it. Because a person, a young person whom God has called into missions, his foes can be his family to keep him from doing the will of God. Christian, there's a lot of different reasons why people will not become missionaries. I, I could also put in there um, uh, illness or, or physical uh, handicap. We could put that in there. But I got news for you folks. There's people out there. Uh, I remember a brother up in, um, he's now in Windsor, uh, Ontario, I think, Brother Gary Coleman. He was telling me about his pastor. His pastor was blind. Someone blind, I mean, you would look at them and say, well, they got a pretty good excuse. But that pastor didn't let it, uh, his blindness be a problem to him. Now, if we were to look around, don't do it, but if we were looking around at everyone here, I think we would see, I can see, that everyone here is capable of being mobile in some way. Maybe some not quite as easy as others. Uh, I told you of Shirley Dietz the quadriplegic up in, or in Jacksonville, Florida, that had two buses, full-size buses that she filled every Sunday and brought them to church. Her name was Shirley Dietz. She's gone to be with the Lord now. But uh, you see what I'm saying? We limit ourselves and what we can do by our attitudes. 
And again, your attitude can change. You can change it. So what is it that's going to keep you from being the missionary that God wants you to be? Well, I can't, I can't talk. Moses said the same thing. God sent somebody to help him, you know. But uh, he did what he was supposed to do. Uh, don't say, well, I'm not educated. Well, big deal. What, what difference does that make? Can you give your testimony of how God saved you? How he changed your life? Of course you can. God wants to use every one of us to reach somebody with the gospel of Jesus Christ. You say, but there's, there's, you know, it's icy and all sorts. Yes, and I've been out there. I, I went out the other day, and there was, I was slipping and sliding everywhere, and praise the Lord, I didn't fall. I had forgotten my cleats. Isn't that strange? We've got all kinds of tools that we can use to reach people with the gospel. Even cleats for the bottom of our feet so that we can scoot across the ice and not fall. Folks, don't make excuses for what God wants you to do. You say, but God hasn't called me. Yes, he has. He said, go. So we can't, we can't excuse the fact, we can't use that as excuse that God hasn't called. Maybe he hasn't called you to be a pastor or a missionary or something like that. I understand that. Yeah, I, I get that. Uh, you wouldn't want to get up here and stand behind the pulpit. You'd be as nervous as somebody else would get up here, you know, and they'd stumble and, and whatever. Sure you would. But that doesn't give any excuse for not trying to reach people with the gospel. God's given us all that responsibility. There's always challenges involved with serving the Lord, whether in missions or full-time basis or just around here. There's always challenges. But as you know, as well as I know, that the rewards are countless. Uh, to see someone get saved, what a blessing that is. One of the people that got saved this uh, past fall, uh, his name is Raymond. I won't tell you his last name, but Raymond was, uh, uh, he, I don't think, I think he's kind of slow. Or he would be classified as ADHD, okay? Um, but Raymond, when he got saved, after that, it seemed like every time we took the bus into that little community, Raymond was telling somebody or tell, trying to get somebody to come on the bus. And one of the boys that he got to come on the bus was 12 years old. His name was uh, uh, Dalen, was his name, is his name. Dalen came, and he, by the way, was in a, he was on a bicycle for special needs, you know, because he, he, he pedaled it with his hands because uh, he could hardly walk. But uh, we helped Dalen get up on the bus and showed a video to him, and Dalen accepted Christ as his personal Savior. And then there were two others. There was two girls that uh, also got on uh, pretty close to the same time and received Christ as their personal Savior. 
There's not a lot of excuses. There's, there's something that you can do. You say, well, I, I have a hard time. But you can help somebody come to Christ. You can point them. You can say to them, hey, in your mind you're thinking, well, I don't, I don't know exactly what to say. But I can invite them to come to church. I can pick them up in my car to bring them to church. You see what I'm talking about? That's, that's tools to bring them to Christ. That's gaining access for people to come to Christ. Will you do that today? Will you determine with God's help that you'll help? I know you can be backwards. I, I understand that. There's fear involved in it. I understand that. I understand sometimes it's fear, like for young people to talk to their peers because they'll be made fun of. But think of it, you know, that person may die and go to hell without you talking to them. And they may have crossed your path for you to give them the gospel. So what's going to keep you from being a missionary that you should be? Take that to the Lord this morning and see how he feels about that, okay? Let's bow our heads for prayer. Every head bowed, every eye closed for just a minute. I'm just wondering this morning if there's someone here who has never accepted Christ as their personal Savior. Don't raise your hand. See, this missions thing that I've been talking about, that's what it's all about. It's to, to try to help people to come to the place of realizing they need to be saved. They need to receive Jesus Christ as their Savior. Are you here this morning and have never received Christ as your personal Savior? I mean, truly, you've been born again. You've made a decision to accept Christ as your personal Savior. It's not that you grew up in a Christian family. It's not that you've been baptized. It's not that you've given your money for the church. It's not that you helped build the church or whatever. It's have you been born again? Have you received the forgiveness of God through faith in Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? If you've never done that this morning, this would be a wonderful time, a great time. Fact is, this might be the last opportunity that you have to receive Christ as your personal Savior. So let me invite you right now with your head bowed and your eyes closed to say a simple prayer and really mean it in your heart. Here it is. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. You say, well, Brother Voss, will that work? It worked. Worked in the New Testament. It'll work now. You're saying to God, God, I understand I'm a sinner. I deserve hell, but please don't send me to hell. I receive Jesus Christ, his finished work on that cross, his death, burial, and resurrection for me. I receive him right now by faith. Why don't you do that right now? Receive Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. And Christian, if you're here right now and you've been guilty, so guilty of making excuses why you don't go on soul winning visitation on Saturday, you don't try to give out tracts to your neighbors, to your, uh, to your insurance agent or 